Guys, get your hands ready for this episode. It is one you don't want to miss for many reasons. Um, okay, the big T that everyone has wanted to know. Drum, drum roll, please. The weirdest drum roll ever because I was scared <laughs> my mic would fall. Maxine, our old co-host, is saying yeah. It's so crazy because when we started this podcast, when we first started releasing it, she was single. She was single. And then, like a couple episodes in, she met Henry and now they're engaged. So, so many mozzles. We're so happy for Basically her. Basically sponsored by Schmuck Boys. <laughs> but yes, everybody send her lots of love. We're super excited for her. Um, yeah, we just, guys, we had to tell you, but we had to make it wild because our girlie's a fiance. One down, two to go. <laughs> Most definitely next, and hopefully I won't be too far behind. <laughs> oh my gosh, Marla. Watch the plot twist as Marla gets engaged and married before all of us. But, okay. <laughs> Hold up. No hold up. That's hold possible. up. Can I just say, okay, yeah. engagement season mm-hmm. is in full swing. Full swing. And Every, one everywhere. of my biggest, biggest takeaways mm-hmm. is this whole soon by you at weddings and whatever. I didn't have any friends that were engaged mm-hmm. until Maxine. And there were 10 that week that I knew because they said, once you hear one, then it's everyone Yeah, like close people. And the soon by you thing, I know my thoughts are like, so broken into what is soon by you like soon by you, like soon you're next. Like, just like you said, a lot of people who are in relationships, when they go to these engagements and people say things like that, Mm -hmm. I feel like, and you could tell me what you think mm-hmm. when you ask someone about like their timeline, it's almost like you're asking someone how much money they're making. And I know we talk about relationships being similar to jobs, mm-hmm. but like that's, that's personal. Like when it's out, it's out and everybody knows, you know, oh, and yeah, when like, you're yeah. celebrating for other friends and like you're in the relationships, I'm seeing a lot of people be like, you know, oh, and are you like, are what's you your next? timeline? Are you next? Yeah, and no, I'm not that's even talking about for myself, question. I'm saying about in general, and it's yeah. so interesting because I never thought about it like that before. Mm-hmm. But it's like, let, let's be happy for this couple, yeah. You know? And that's just a trend that I have seen recently because it sparks up other conversations. But I was just curious what your take was, Marla, on that. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think that if you're at someone's, I can see how if you're at someone's engagement party, it's easy to look at the other couples in the room and kind yeah. of like interrogate them a bit. Like, are so you, what about you guys? Kind of yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, are you a next? But like, Didn't yeah, you guys not- meet around the same time. <laughs> yeah, haven't you been together for around the same time? But uh, no ring yet. Like, mm. yeah, no, that's not really like I can see how people do it. Not super appropriate, I think. I also feel like it does. It, it's crazy that it all happens at once. But it also makes sense because it's kind of like if it's I feel like if you're in a front group and everyone's like single going out and having fun, then everyone yeah. kind of does that. And then slowly, like one by one, as more people in a friend group start Another to get one relationships. Yeah. Other people are like, 
oh, maybe that's what I want also. So then they also start to get into relationships. And I think it's similar, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Domino effect, domino effect. But yeah, it's so crazy. I've seen so many, like a lot of them. Yes, we love Nestle. Ezra and Stern. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I've seen a lot of... um, like friends of friends engaged people that I was front, not necessarily like close friends with in college, but like friendly or friends with this yep. guy I dated for like one second in BBYO. Like he's now engaged. <laughs> Aw, crying. Yeah. Poor it's really tough. The boys. It's really tough to get over, but you know, I'm working through it. Um, Marla, but, do you need me to fly over there? Yeah, please fly over. I need a shoulder to cry on. Uh, no, he's a great guy. Um, but yeah, it's just so crazy. Like it's one after another, after another. And you're just like, Wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like nobody prepares you for like, mm-hmm. like the moment you feel like an adult is like when the whole friend group is just all of a sudden like, yeah, we're we're putting deposits on a place and and we're getting hitched and mm-hmm. that's that. And yeah. like obviously, you know, you make I everybody makes comments to your wedding, your wedding day, but mm-hmm. it feels so far away. Like when we talked about it when we were younger, you know, Mm -hmm. but now that it's happening to everyone, it's like, whoa, we're getting older. We have this dating podcast. We're dating to get married now. Yeah. Like we're not trying to waste time. Mm -hmm. This isn't high school anymore. Yeah. It really is beautiful to see like people's futures coming into fruition. Yeah. Wow, Libby. It is beautiful. I was going to say it's terrifying. because it's it's a mix of everything you know because it's also like whoa I can't believe this is happening like high key Maxine when I saw like I knew like Henry fully told me but I refreshed and then I didn't really believe it until I saw the photos yeah and then I didn't really believe it until I saw them in person yeah and I was like that's wild but I'm so happy for Everyone who's engaged, Ezra Sterna, Nestle Rafi, Maxine, and Henry, and whoever else is to come. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, same. I think also people's like, timelines are personal. Yeah, I agree. I think it's interesting because I wonder if like, I mean, I'm single right now, obviously. We know that from the podcast, but I don't necessarily <laughs> I wonder if so, I wonder if people like who feels more jealous when they see engagement posts? Is it single people or is it people that are in relationships and they want to be engaged and they're not yet? And I feel like it would probably be people. Those are people who are maybe scared to have those conversations. Yeah. I think, first of all, I will just say this outright right now. If you are proposing to someone, you shouldn't be considering, are they going to say yes? You should be knowing that they will say yes and that Mm -hmm. you've had the conversation and it's not going to hit them so far off the ground. Right. They should expect what's going on because you should be on the same timeline because by a certain point, it should be a conversation. Yeah. And that that should be normalized. Like, yeah, at a certain point. And like I said, it's a personal thing. Like those conversations should be happening between you and that person. If you see it going somewhere, which at this age, you know, you start to think about, yeah. Yeah. I feel like it would be crazy. I mean, I'm sure it happens nowadays, but I think it definitely is crazy for someone to like propose to someone where it's like, we never had a conversation about marriage, Mm -hmm. never had a conversation about long-term, never had a conversation about what kind of ring you want. Like I'm sure people do it and it works out for them. But I feel like nowadays people are like, no, no, no. Like, Let's at least have a conversation about solidify like, yeah. timelines that work on. And I'll be day. honest, a lot of these people, when I ask them, like, did you see this coming? They're like, well, yeah, like it was within the timeline that yeah. we had spoken about. Yeah. And I'm like, that is the way to do it. 
So for any boys listening, any girls listening, whoever's proposing to who, whatever, just make sure you have a conversation that you not completely taking someone by surprise because Mm -hmm. yes, they shouldn't know about it. It should be a surprise element or whatever you discuss, Yeah, but it shouldn't be a surprise that there's going to be a proposal enough for you to like sadly be embarrassed and them to say no. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, so funny. <laughs> You're saying that I have a friend here in LA that got engaged maybe like a month ago or something like that. And I was like, oh my God, like, were you surprised? And she was like, oh my God, no. He, I literally yeah, the exact date. <laughs> yeah. like, that's or like girls would be like, no, I literally planned it. This is exactly what I want. No, I literally gave him a list of people to invite. Yeah. 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 So funny. That's the other thing that I didn't realize so much goes into it with like an engagement party, a proposal, photographer that are going to be there also. And then, you know, bridesmaids and whatever you choose to do. There's so many little details. Like, yeah, I have friends that are like planning weddings and I'm just like, I I can't even remotely imagine (laughs) what it is like. Yeah. But my biggest takeaway is you know, if you see a couple that's been dating for a while, maybe let them speak for themselves. If they yeah. want you to know something, they'll probably tell you. Yeah. But for the most part, I really do think relationships are about those two people when it comes to a future. They're going to be the ones having the kids. They're going to be the ones in the relationship. At a certain point, your friends aren't texting for them anymore. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. So it should be the same thing when you're like further along in the relationship. I don't Absolutely. think you're going to like, ask your friends where your kids should go to school it's going to be a conversation with you and your partner with yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. i think um especially if it's only you two <laughs> be married in the future you said start getting used to it i feel like okay so yeah big mazels to maxine we're so happy for you and in addition to being engagement season it also was perm season i don't oh, think yes. people realize like i didn't know how big perm was until a few years ago, but really like in New York, in LA, in, you know, Israel, in Miami, I'm sure too. It's not even just one night. It's like a full week of parties and it's kind of crazy, um, but it's fun. So what was your perm like? What did you dress up as? What were the parties that you went to? Kind of how was that for you? I dressed up as fire. <laughs> I, I like it. hung out with Meet Jew. Um which was super fun and got to see a lot of different people from Sarah Haskell to Dahlia to Shifra to Mimi, who now moved from London to New York to um, Aaron, who came in. Sadly, Daniel didn't. Alec, like just I always feel like it's so fun to go out when mm-hmm. you choose in town. So mm-hmm. like even despite it being Purim, like I'm always my happiest when I feel like my mm-hmm. people who I'm close to who don't live here are here. So mm-hmm. it just, it felt extra, extra special and nice, but also should be illegal to have work on the next day. I had to work a video shoot for Menachem the next day after Purim. So I just didn't really drink that much. Cause I was like, I can't get up early if I, yeah. I'll be honest. I've kind of like drinking has been major. No bueno for me. Like mm-hmm. I, And first of all, I'm not even much of a drinker. If anything, I'm like 
very social drinker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't really drink alone. Not that there's anything wrong with any no, I see of that. What you're saying. But my stomach has just been Jewish stomaching me crazy <laughs> since my surgery. So uh, I'm just like taking it really lightly out here. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel fully recovered now? No. Oh. <laughs> but we're working on it. It's fine. Is it, is it improving at least? Yeah, definitely improvement. Definitely improvement. Um I won't bore you guys with the nitty gritty details of the inside of my nose. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, how was your perm? <laughs> what were you? You were um, a cat or a bat? Um, <laughs> a bat cat, so, a Batman. Something like bat that. No. So, um, so perm is <laughs> was fun. Normally, I am such a I'm such a holiday themed girly. Like I love holidays and themes and things like that. And normally, I would like go all out to be like prepared for it. I was so busy the last few weeks. I really didn't get a chance to like got like a new costume for prom Marla looked sexy <laughs> thank you Libby so the, the one of the parties that I went to I went to a few different ones one was um the theme was like it was like gala themed but also neon themed but it was also hmm. Purim. so people were dressed in th- basically three different outfits that night you either had people dressed in gala wow. you had people dressed in gala but maybe with like a little costume accessory which is what I did or you had people in like costumes or co- people like in i wouldn't know what to four wear options. yeah but honestly everyone was like what do we wear and everyone was in a mix but it was fine it was a lot of fun it was with yjp um yeah they posted cute photos of you that's how i know you look so good <laughs> thank you it was actually I'm really- such a mom like it's- marla doesn't live here so it's like when jewish organizations post photos of her i'm like oh my god that's my daughter <laughs> that's my yeah. girl it was actually really fun. I hear I've, I've heard mm. very mixed mixed things about YJP out here because so some Jewish organizations have age limits and some don't. YJP is one of those ones that doesn't have limits. So some people that are our age in their twenties, you know, sometimes like their events, but sometimes are not as comfortable at them because you might get a lot more like older adults, which is sure. fine. But it's also understandable that if you're in your twenties, you might not necessarily want to go to like a, an event that has people in their forties and fifties. Right. Um, but it was actually really fun. There was a lot of young people there. I talked to two guys that night, thought it, you know, went well with both of them, had, you know, yeah. fun talk with both of them, uh, never heard from them. So, oh. you know, hit and a miss, swing and a miss kind of sucks. It's frustrating. I was talking about this with one of my friends here. I'm like, I, don't care if you don't text me but if you tell me to my face that like you want to see me you want to take me out and that and that you're going to text me and then you don't text me that's what's annoying like I'm like just don't just don't yeah. tell me you're going to do something like you can the just say over promising yes so like annoying. I'd rather you just say like had a great time talking with you like you know have a good night blah like and then leave it at that but I don't know if maybe what maybe guys feel like an internal pressure to like say something i don't know what it is but well, i'm like i don't know i feel like they're listening too much to action speak louder than words and then they're not doing the action yeah exactly so i, I was kind of frustrated by that because i had great conversations with both of them and i thought at least one of them would end up texting me so whatever it's fine i'm used to it at this point i feel like so many people here have talked about that where like you'll meet people out of because like a lot of times right jews were going to these events to meet people yeah. Okay, but then you exchange information. And then you're told not to expect anything, and then they offer you something that you never asked for, and then they don't go through with it. Yeah, and it's like, what's the... If you're going to these events to meet people, but then the people you meet don't, like, ask for your number, but then don't even text you, it's like, what's the point? So that's that was frustrating. But anyways, yeah. and then... So that was fun, and then 
I also went to Ace Lit. That's the organization I'm on the board for. That was really fun. That was 70s themed. I had no idea what I was going to wear. I like last minute ordered something on Amazon. It literally showed up at my door like 30 minutes before I was supposed to leave the house. Perfect timing. Um, That was fun. Nothing crazy at that party um, in terms of, you know, guys or anything like that. I um, have a friend that recently moved to the city, to LA. So I kind of took her around. That was fun. Um, Yeah. What else? What else? What else? I'm trying to think there's anything else for Purim. Um, oh, this was funny. There was like a Purim thing that was Purim, but also not Purim that my friends were DJing. I started talking to this guy there and he, um, we have a great conversation. And then he's like saying he's not Jewish. And like our mutual friend comes up and I guess our mutual friend didn't realize he wasn't Jewish. And so it just kind of became this like funny thing. But was what was interesting about the conversation is I made it clear to him. I was like, you seem like a great guy. I'm enjoying this conversation with you. But like, I only date like Jewish guys. And he was like, I, he was very much like, I love that. And I respect that. Like, I think that's so amazing that you know exactly what you're looking for. And you're like really going after it. And I'm like, I feel like this like non-Jewish guy respects like me knowing exactly what I want more than like Jewish guys knowing, mm. me, like knowing that I know exactly what I want. It's because most of them know that most girls feel that way who care yeah or they're it's, not even necessarily yeah. used to like meeting girls that are like oh no like oh, stop being schmuck boys but actually don't because then we won't have this podcast it was funny my friend was like oh did you did you hear from him after and i was like no but i'm also not surprised because why would he text me i told him i right. wouldn't go out with non-jews um but so i do have some kind of updates ish stir in the tea stir in the pot um so last episode I mentioned like three dates that I'd gone on um one of them was so funny so it was in front of a friend went out wasn't really sure how I felt I originally said I would go out with him again I kind of decided I probably shouldn't it would be like not fair to him or me because I don't think I like feel the vibe and it was so funny because he was like reaching out to make plans and then when I kind of sent that message of like I think we're better off as friends he was like yeah I agree in my mind, I'm like, if you agree, then why are you trying to ask me out again? You really thought and, he was doing something there. And I'm like, look. He's just he's, trying to agree, Marla. He's a very nice guy. I have nothing bad to say about him. Maybe he genuinely felt that it was friend bribes, but felt since he'd already told me he wanted to take me out again, maybe he felt like he had to follow up with that and like ask me out again, even if he didn't feel that way. But part of me is also like, yeah, if you didn't want to go out again, why not just not ask me out again but now that I don't want to you're saying you feel the same way it doesn't it's, actually he just feels like he got rejected I know he, and I just think it's like, funny when guys do that because I'm like but you know what at least he's not like you suck Rude. no of course at of course, of course. Out, mm, like yeah, that yeah, would yeah. be way worse I'd no. rather someone just agree and like keep it chill than like you know yeah I just think it's funny because I feel like most I mean uh, I feel like if, unless I genuinely like I've, I actually recently sent not recently maybe like a couple months ago sent like a similar text back to someone me being like oh I agree because I genuinely agreed and I wasn't really pursuing it but mm-hmm. if I got rejected me and I was sad about it I'd probably just be like oh like it's too bad but like I understand I wouldn't just like say I agree but I think that I think guys do that more than girls because they get more butter kind of and they're just kind of like oh yeah same same it's a pride thing yeah a hundred percent, hundred percent. But you know, I don't know. I feel like I would know some girls that would say that too. Yeah, you're probably right. There, I'm sure there are girls. I feel like either or, like take the gender out of it. Like if someone's yeah. telling you after you made a move, yeah, I'm not down. 
Yeah. The only thing to do is to agree. Yeah, same. 100% ditto. Word. Yeah. Um, But the two other guys um, are still in the game. Um, One, we actually spent a lot of time together recently. The game. It's the game. Yeah. And I actually, like, I wasn't really sure how I was feeling about him. But now that we spent more time together, I actually think I really like him. But I'm not really sure. I got to figure out, like, I've, I've talked about this before. Like, you know, similar to our upcoming guest that we'll have in this episode, you'll hear from her that, like, she's a bit of a serial dater. I've been a serial dater. And I normally, like, once I reach, like, five or six dates, I don't like to be dating more people. Like more than more than one person at once. Like once mm-hmm. I'm at like five or six dates, I want to focus on whoever that person is and kind of like ignore anyone else. Um, Are you at an ignoring stage? I'm not like kind of like I'm at the point now with one of these one of these two guys that are left that I'm like, okay, I think I kind of want to focus on him, but I kind of never really fully saw where things could go with this other guy because we had the, the same number of dates. I don't know. I kind of got to figure out what I'm gonna do. I think by the next by, by by next episode, hopefully, I will have decided whether to like, you know, focus on one or maybe keep seeing them both for a little bit longer. But I don't really like that. Like, I feel kind of icky. Yeah. Like seeing two, like, even no, though I don't blame even you. though it's like I, I feel like it's not allowed. Like, there's literally no label. Haven't even had a conversation. We could never. Like, I don't know how to text yeah. more than one person. So yeah. ready to commence you. Yeah, I just feel like, and I feel like an idiot because sometimes I'm like, did I talk about this with him or did I talk about this with him? And then I just feel like a, you know, a bad person. Everything kind of gets merged. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I I think you need to take yourself out of it. And sometimes writing down your thoughts helps. Yeah. Like like for anyone listening to that's ever in a situation like that, like writing out specific things that interest you because if at the end of the day, the only thing they offer is being nice, like. Mm-hmm. there's no substance to that like you sure. you need to be more than just nice there needs to for be sure. some some connection there enough for you to not miss out an opportunity that could be the real one yeah no 100 i think what i'm thinking is because it's still- i'm out here spitting facts right now <laughs> i've been giving a lot of relationship advice recently as you should as you should um but yeah i don't like i feel like i'm at the point now where the waters are getting murky and i don't like that so i think my plan is for the guy that I have spent less time with, I think I'm going to maybe go on like see him, see him like one more time and just kind of like see how I feel with him now yeah. that things with this other guy have, have kind of like escalated a little bit and hopefully kind of like see the see the light at the end of the tunnel after this date and hopefully it'll kind of like I clarity. I'm looking do. for like I feel like right now I'm need I need I need some clarity because what I don't want to do like, experience dates. I feel like you get to know the person a little bit more. What if it's not just a traditional dinner? It's like golfing or bowling or yeah. I did something. Some I did like a rock climbing date, actually indoor rock climbing with one of them, and it was really fun. Um, but yeah, maybe yeah. that would be a good way if you're like trying to figure out more about the person. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Definitely, I'm. I'm. I agree. I think dates where they're, you're not just sitting across from each other talking are definitely the times that like help see how you are with someone. So yeah, I'm. I'm hoping that I get some clarity with these two that I've been seeing because I really don't want to like keep yeah. at it with both of them. I don't really like that. Um, and for the yeah. record, being creative on dates is like hard. Like I give a lot of credit, a lot of credit. 
because I don't know, especially after a certain point, it's like, what do you, where, where should you go? Like what, mm-hmm. what more can you do that might be different from what you've done? Yeah. No, but getting creative is important because if you're always going on the same type of coffee dates or dinner dates or drink dates, it just kind of like can get boring and you yeah, know, get it a, up sense a little bit or like have date nights to look forward to. Don't let it like die out. Yeah, exactly. Um, trying to think if there's any anything else. Um, hmm. I don't know. Uh, had some crazy oh. Jewish geography this weekend. I was out for St. Patrick's Day, and it was just like someone from high school, someone that I know through college. Like, yeah. but they also knew people that I was with. So, in so LA, many, so, so cool. many Jewish geography out in LA. It's crazy. Um, and geography in general, just because so many transplants are here. Yeah. That like it just funny. Um oh, it was my mom's birthday. Oh was, yeah. How was her birthday? Oh, it was really nice. Um Jack's been invited to grandma and mom's birthday. So very nice. Oh yeah. Any uh Libby and Jack updates? <laughs> yeah, I'm like thinking, I'm like, we've been going on more double dates recently. That's um cute. Which is definitely fun, but also like picking places with four people and times is like so hard. So oh, like yeah. all the power to us. Um, <laughs> strongly recommend. They're a lot of fun to do, um, mm-hmm. especially with like close friends. Yeah. And oh, exciting news! Ali is taking me to the Drew Barrymore show on Wednesday. Oh yeah. And we're going to be seeing Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. So that's like the best, like version, like like a guess you could get for the day that you're going. Yeah, guys, stay tuned. Stay tuned. And I'm trying to think. Honestly, the biggest updates were the engagements. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll probably have more updates for you guys. I mean, next episode, we're going to have, like, even more engagements, probably. I'm like, at this point, like, I wouldn't be shocked. But, guys, you're in for a treat with this episode. Really, really amazing guest with Mm -hmm. a lot of incredible views. She's adding so much to the Jewish community and really everything we value in a person. Mm -hmm. She is that. She really exemplifies our generation of the Jewish community. Yeah, let's get into this episode and uh, stay tuned for more good updates, hopefully to come. And we'll find out who Marlit picked. <laughs> this is not The Bachelorette. <laughs> and me. you'll find out next week on, <laughs> on Schmuck Boys. <laughs> All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Schmuck Boys. Our guest today, Adela, is one you won't want to miss. She's one of the hosts of Americanish, a new digital show featuring two young Middle Eastern women from unique and layered backgrounds. She's a Syrian Lebanese Mexican Jew, and Mariam Waba is an Egyptian Coptic Christian. That's her co host. When Adela isn't studying in law school, she uses her platform to speak out against anti-Semitism, and she is a queen. So please welcome Adela. Yeah, thank you. I'm very excited to have you. Happy to be here. Okay, so yeah, every episode we usually ask our guests like a little relationship update of the week. You don't have to get into specific names or anything like that. It's like, did you go on any fun dates recently? Any good 
app conversations, kind of whatever you feel comfortable sharing. But we love so, the tea. Oh, love the tea. So you'll you'll love all of this tea. So personally, I am a serial dater. I date a lot of people all the time, all at once, like everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, I'm that's my you. dating life. I'm with you. <laughs> so that's been my dating Me, life. My friend Marla. <laughs> <laughs> So I totally feel that. And I have a ton of billion of date stories, but the weirdest thing happened. I was introduced by a mutual friend to someone who happens to not live in New York. And like, honestly, I, I did not think it was going to turn into anything. And we went out um, a couple of weeks ago. And after that, I just felt really yucky being on any date mm. other than with him. Mm. And it was just like the weirdest thing. Cause like, I haven't liked someone back in maybe in a very mm-hmm. long time. I'm not going to put time number on that, but it's it's really weird for me to like someone back. Like, so you understand around Valentine's Day, I was in five different situationships and then I ended all of them because I was like, I don't think I want to be in any of these. So mm-hmm. I'm very much like a serial dater. And now suddenly I found a person that like, he's the only one I want to talk to. Like, that's it. So I actually, I told a lot of people I was supposed to be meeting up with and, you know, second and third dates. I was like, hey, to be honest, like, I think this I met someone- wrong. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and it's weird. Cause I, I never thought I'd be that, that person that like gets mm-hmm. like the love bug. So basically now I love this person. I think we're going to get married and I've only met him three times in my life, we but that's love, kind of where I'm at. Love, yeah, love. Like hard, hard out, but we don't say that to each other. Cause God forbid. Oh my God. Wait, that's what? so cute. Yeah. Wait, so big relationship update. Wait. Yes. Okay. But let's go back a little bit with the yeah. theater thing. Like when you say serial dater, like you just went on a lot of dates with people, but you've been in relationships and, and like with those relationships, were they just like, you felt like pressure to date or it was like dating and it wasn't right? Like, that's a good question. Like so I had, more right? Yeah, I've had three serious relationships. I'd say one of them was like right after college really phenomenal guy have literally nothing negative to say other than we were just in different places at life. And right. we, we were the same age and we were straight out of college and it was just like very young, but it was a lot of really nice. Like it kind of set the standard for, for how I should be treated because he was mm. just like the most phenomenal guy. But again, that was just wrong, wrong timing of it and, and yeah. wrong people in the end. But um, that lasted about a year. And then I dated someone that love bombed the hell out of me. And I thought I was in love. And it's weird because after I ended my college relationship, it was just like serial dating for two, three years where I would like go on dates with like a ton of guys at a time. They would mainly make it to like two or three dates. And then I'd go out with like guys maybe more seriously, but no one would make it past two months. Sure. And like, that was just me for like two, three years. I was Adela, right? Like, oh my gosh, I'm Adela. And everyone wants to date me. And that was like always yeah. my thing. Yeah. And then I met this guy, love bombed me. I thought I was like hard in love like hard 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 in love I like called my grandparents on zoom and I was like grandpa grandma like this is it I'm I'm gonna marry yeah I was like so sure turns out he was a horrible narcissist terrible I'm not gonna get into everything that happened in that relationship and you don't have to first of all this is way more than like even people usually get into but I was just curious when you said that no but that one I'll tell you how it ended he left me alone crying on my birthday and I was like (gasps) maybe this isn't it for me so we broke up wait get this he gets engaged to someone else within six months of our breakup wait engaged months uh-huh six months no you're lying because is he religious no that's insane. no terrible terrible situation for me I, I mean i don't think you dated him within those six months because that would be a really short turnaround but oh i no i've had a boyfriend for the, for a little over two years now so lovely. definitely was that, not me <laughs> Not me, not me, not me. But 
Holy wow. Okay. So and then after that, I got into another relationship because there's three relationships. There's the one after college. There's the love bombing one. And then the third was a really sweet guy, really wonderful, lasted about 11 months from our first date to um, our, our breakup. And ultimately, that was just like the, the perfect example of someone who is perfect and sweet and checks off all of your boxes. But for some reason, mm-hmm. like that one made me see that love isn't a choice. I used to think it's like, oh, I'm going to choose to love this person. I sure. want to love this person. I'm going to love him. And that's just not how it works. Everything, literally all of my boxes tracked except there was something missing and I couldn't tell what it was. And and after we had a certain amount of time dating, I had to have a very honest conversation and he was very understanding, very sweet. Um, Again, great wow. guy. I, I I wish you could write reviews about guys like ten out of ten guys. Yo, we gotta make an app for that. Date. Dating app needs like a review section. For yeah, now, we'll is. have schmuck boys just share their uh, <laughs> their feedback. Yeah, we'll cater that into the pod. Okay, so we just learned a lot. A lot. I gave you a lot of information. I'm sorry. No, Let's unpack it. We do not apologize. I needed that. Um. And I love that there were like different situations that led you to where you are now and that you were able to feel a special way only having met three times, which sets everyone else. It's like those videos on TikTok where it's like, will the real heartbreaker please stand up? And it's like my ex-boyfriend, the situation chip I talked to for two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) But valid lessons. Valid lessons. I learned a lot. I've learned a lot. I have a wealth of knowledge and every date I went on good or bad taught me something. And I don't think I'm in like the best place right now. I'm literally like falling hard for someone I've met a couple of times in my life. And mm-hmm. Hey, look, we might talk next week and they'll be like, Hey, what happened to that guy? And I'll be like, Oh yeah, no, it didn't work out. And like, I'll move on. Good thing. This is situation. coming out right after this conversation. <laughs> oh, love that. This will be our fastest episode turnaround. <laughs> our fastest <laughs> yet. Yeah. But Yeah, let's get a little bit more into you. What did you always dream of doing when you were younger? Adela, the girl that all the guys want to date. What were her dreams? What were her dreams? Um, So when I was little, my my first thing was I really wanted to be a super spy, but turns out that's not really a profession that you can (laughs) go to college for. Um, so I was like, number one, other than that, I wanted to be an actress or model. And then they told me I was plus sized because I went to modeling school for two what? years. Yeah. They're like, you'll book more gigs if you drop to a regular weight class. And I was like, wait, uh, and I was 14 and I didn't know I was plus sized. So like, that was the end of it. And that's when I said, okay, what's my skill set? And I realized that like my skill set was public speaking. And I said, what can I do with that? And in Judaism, they say that you can do everything for like good, bad, or neutral. So mm-hmm. like the neutral would be like acting and like modeling, but the good would be to use it for activism and politics. So I mm-hmm. decided to go to NYU to study politics. And my goal was to work at the United Nations and change the world. That's a, that's a good goal to have. It's a good goal. So you you wanted to go to, you know, look, end up in the UN and then is that still part of the potential goal and how does it tie into your interest in law? So no, I, I was actually the official representative of Jewish students at the United Nations for two years. And after, thank you. I wasn't working at the UN, but I was, I was representing um, an entity at the UN. And after seeing the way it works every year is the same thing. Every plenary is the same thing. And it just didn't feel meaningful. It just felt like a bunch of people who love to hear themselves talk, myself included, in a room 
pretending to be important. And I was like, this is, this is not it for me. And then, um, activism is where I found like my niche. And then after that, I, I got into law school and I've been working for different district attorney's offices. I just finished at Queens. I'm going to start in Brooklyn this summer. And mm-hmm. it's the first time I really felt an impact with my work. So that's where I'm at in terms of my legal career. That's amazing. And do you feel wow. like there's like a correlation in your mind between working in law and also like meaning, like meaningfulness in Judaism? A hundred percent. I think that like, there's a reason why we always make jokes about, oh, Jewish lawyers. Dude, I went to Jewish day school. We learned Gemara in my school. So we were sitting there taking not only Jewish law, halakha, but Gemara, which is Jewish law derivation. It's literally a law school class. So it teaches you to think in a way where it's like, you're not just learning the rules, you're learning the why and how mm-hmm. that rule came to be. How yes. did a rule develop? So I never um, thought of it like that. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. If you've been to Jewish day school, guess what? You've been to law school. Um, Basically, exactly not, you, law get school the you get the, the degree. That is the degree. They want us to be lawyers. Hashem, <laughs> yeah. Hashem literally was like... You know, I'm going to start the world. It's going to be dope. We're going to have Shabbat. You're going to rest. But you know what? A lot of you are going to be lawyers. <laughs> yeah. That's actually, I, I spoke to Hashem the other day. That's literally what he was telling me. <laughs> I caught it. Yeah. So, um, and I, I also think that at least like my my path in prosecution, mm-hmm. um, I think that in Judaism, we do, we do care a lot about being a just person and accountability. Mm-hmm. And I the prosecution and what I'd be doing at the district attorney's office as accountability. So yeah, there's, I'd say there's a connection. Yeah, that's great. And that makes, that's, that makes a lot of sense too. And so you talked about Jewish day school. Let's get into your Jewish background. What was that like? When did you become interested enough in your own identity to become having a podcast, as well as just what were you like when you were in Jewish day school versus like, what type of Jew are you now? It's a great question. Um, so I'm Syrian and I don't know how much you know about Syrian Jews, but we're a very particular kind of Jew. Um, my boyfriend's Syrian. Ah, God bless. I love that. (laughs) Ah, I love that unity marriage, unity marriage. Um, I love, I love that. That's like a mixed couple by Jewish standards. Um, but yeah, so I, I grew up Syrian, which means that we're traditional. It's not exactly about like, are you Orthodox? Are you conservative? Are you reform? It's like, we all agree there's like a best way. And it's like, where do you fall on the spectrum of the best way? And, um, growing up, I went to Jewish day school where we, again, we learned Torah all the day. Like we wore skirts past our knees. We covered our elbows, everything. But personally, I wasn't that religious. So like my family, like uses technology on Shabbat, but like, we don't go out on Shabbat, God forbid, like we'll watch TV, but like, we're not going to the movie. So very just like traditional in the home, um, kosher dairy, sorry, kosher meat, but not kosher dairy. So like standard by Syrian, Syrian standards there. Um, and because I always went to Jewish day school, I always knew I was Jewish and I always knew like that would be a very big part of me, but I didn't want that to be who I was going to be in college. And, um, Lo and behold, I go to NYU, I face a ton of anti-Semitism there, and I end up suing NYU for anti-Semitism, and my lawsuit makes it to the White House, I meet the president, he changes a law on a national level, and the rest is history. And, and that kind of made, you realize, made me realize um, that even though I didn't want to be the quote-unquote Jewish girl, we can't look for a cause to fight for if we already have our own. Mm-hmm. Representation starts at home, you know? That's amazing. So how long ago was that? that that holding the MIU that happened 
Uh, my lawsuit, I, so the anti-Semitism started in 2018 and mm -hmm. I sued NYU in 2019. The law was changed December 2019 and then NYU settled my claim in 2020. So the process took about two and a half years. Yeah. Um, but now it's been now it's been two, three years since then. Crazy. What were the reactions like from your peers? Like with that situation, friends and friends of friends, like was it supportive? Was it a mixture? What was that kind of like like for you? Um, weirdly enough, from my friends, it was entirely supportive. Actually, like my my friends, like the Jewish community at NYU in general. They wanted to sue NYU a full year before that. And mm -hmm. I, I was president of the pro-Israel group there. And I was the one that kept saying, no, let's exhaust all of our options. Let's use the bias hotline. Let's use all the resources the school put in front of us before we run to file a lawsuit. And because of that, my case was so well documented mm -hmm. and my case was so well pled out that when I sent it to lawyers, they told me it was the strongest case that they'd seen that would get the foot in the door for um, a Title VI anti-Semitism wow. claim. There, there hadn't been a Title VI claim for anti-Semitism that worked um, really the way it was supposed to, because Title VI of the Civil Rights Act protects, um, Title VI of the Civil Rights Act protects nationality, ethnicity, and race, not religion. So we had to make the claim that Judaism functions like an ethno-religion mm -hmm. and therefore should be included. And that's what the executive order in 2020 sorry, in December 2019, ended up doing it, ended up expanding the definition of Judaism to have it fall under the Civil Rights Act. So mm -hmm. it was kind of legal gymnastics. And that's actually what sparked my interest in law, right? Because I realized activism is great, but there's a difference between activism and legal activism. And mm -hmm. what I wanted to do was make an impact. And that brought me to to law school. And that's hopefully what I'll I'll be doing long term after mm -hmm. prosecution. I'll, I'll come back to the Jewish world. But yeah, I, I got wholehearted support Everyone was like, yeah, this was a long time coming. I didn't mm -hmm. have a single friend or member of the Jewish community at NYU, mm -hmm. the general Jewish community that was against it, wholeheartedly supportive. I will say there were people who were afraid for, mm -hmm. for me. They're like, are you really about to sue a school? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, mm -hmm. are you sure? <laughs> My mom was one of those. She was like, okay, I support you, but like, are you That's sure? a Jewish mom thing. They have to <laughs> yeah. think about both ends. Yeah. Yeah. She she's like, I support your career, but like, no. Um yeah. ultimately I did file my lawsuit and and my mom's very proud of me. So everything happens for a reason. Of course yeah. she is. Do you mind sharing exactly what had happened that led to the lawsuit? Just for people who aren't in the know and are listening. Yeah. So it started with typical anti-Zionist behavior. So people mm -hmm. boycotting Israel, our student government boycotting the NYU Tel Aviv campus, um, 53 student groups, that's one in every six at NYU, was boycotting Realize Israel, the group I was president of, and 70 professors signed on to a boycott of Israeli academics. So really, when it came to boycotts, we were being hit on all fronts, right? Mm -hmm. Student on student, we were getting hit on student government level, and we were being hit on the professor level. Mm -hmm. Then they started boycotting our Hillel. So if you openly oh associated with Hillel, suddenly you're considered, you know, like student government won't give you a position. Like the right. whole thing got really intense like that. And then um, it started escalating. They started protesting all of our events, which is fine. but. Um, they started posting pictures of Jewish students on social media, calling them racist and fascist of the week. And then they started boycotting any group that would work with us. So we were socially isolated. At this point, I had been meeting with administrators 
week after week after week. And when you say they, this, these are like students. Outward. These are students. Yeah. Students for Justice in Palestine, um, a group at NYU. And yeah. they, they had a coalition of 53 groups. So it's not just one group. It's a coalition of 53. Um, wow. So it got pretty bad. And then um, it all culminated in our Yom Ma'ut, Israeli Independence Day celebration. Um, we were planning this huge party. We rent out Washington Square here in New York. It's sure. phenomenal. Hundreds of students wrapped in Israeli flags, singing Hatikva. You feel trees vibrate with energy and you look at this and you say, wow, this is Judaism in the 21st century. Yeah. But that year we knew it would be different. So um, I spoke to the school. I told them I was worried for student safety. They told me I was overreacting. And um, ultimately at the event, one student burned an Israeli flag, just lit it on fire. Threw it on oh, the ground. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I remember, I remember hearing another that. one grabbed the microphone from a Jewish girl, started yelling "Free Palestine," and then they took our ten-foot Israeli flag, tore it to shreds, and hung it from trees and from lampposts. So NYPD stepped in, and they made two arrests. And that's when I went back to the school, wow. and I was like, "I'm not I overreacting." Chills. Like yeah. I, I knew it, I knew it, but like also just hearing it from yeah. you with like the yeah. details, it's just like crazy to, like. Did you have a hard time focusing an environment like that? Like, yeah, look, no. honestly, it was it was really rough. I actually I didn't go to my last couple of weeks of the semester of my junior year. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I didn't feel comfortable going to my classes, my professor actually in my Arabic class came up to me and was like, if you don't feel comfortable being here, you can leave. And um, and I did. It was like Regina George. Like I'd walk into my class because I, I was a Middle Eastern studies major. Mm, I'd yeah. walk into my classes and everyone hated me. And um, I, after I filed my lawsuit, same thing. I didn't feel comfortable going to school anymore. So I didn't. Um, it was rough. It was, it was a big decision. Like I, I always talk about my lawsuit. I do a lot of public speaking. I talk to synagogues. Yeah. I talk to high schools and mm. middle schools and colleges. Right. But it really was a, a rough experience. And, and I did consider everything before filing my case and I knew yeah. what it would mean but um yeah it was rough but ultimately again like it ends up making its way to to making real world change right. so good for you it's it's so wild because as you're like telling the entire story it's almost exactly reminiscent of like Israel in the sense of like you and your Jewish group are like the one Jewish group and then all your surrounding neighbors hate you mm-hmm for just being you the same way that Israel is just trying to be Israel. And then all the, they're, you know, now it's a little bit different. Obviously they've made progress with a lot of their Arab neighbors, but for a while it was like surrounded by every single neighbor that hated them. Yeah. Um, obviously also the thing that's frustrating is in the past couple of years, I mean, I've been, I graduated in 2018. I know Libby was 2020, but in the last few years, it's uh, like anti-Semitism on campus has definitely gotten worse. All three of us, I'm sure, follow it online and and all yeah. the type of stuff. And um, I, I had a little bit of it at UMass. It wasn't as bad yet because social media wasn't quite like used back then the way that it is mm-hmm. now. But obviously, there are other students that probably have had and will have in the future similar situations to what you went through at NYU. So what would be maybe advice for those students that are going through something similar and facing, you know, anti-Semitism or faced facing, you know, exclusion from other groups or, or their administration on campus? Oh, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. I, I would say I, I have a couple of pieces of advice, but most mm-hmm. importantly, um, you hear this everywhere on college campuses. Everyone always says, mm-hmm. never check your identity at the door. Mm-hmm. It's about time that we internalize that. 
yeah. which means that if you're a Jewish student and you're facing exclusion, that's a horrible, horrible thing. But the answer isn't hiding your Jewish identity. The mm-hmm. answer is standing your ground and saying, I belong here, not right. in spite of my Jewish identity, but because mm-hmm. of my Jewish identity, because it's part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And we can't, we can't keep letting people decide where a Jew can and can't feel comfortable yeah. because that's how anti-Semitism wins. Mm-hmm. So my advice would be, in all of your conversations, in all of your circles, be your full self. And if that is a Jewish Zionist, then be a Jewish Zionist. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to say, oh, what are you doing for Passover? Yeah, my family's going to Israel. Yeah. Be honest about it. Don't yeah. hide yeah. it. And if any students were going through anti-Semitism to the extent of what you were going through, minor things, are they free to reach out to you as a mentor? Are you a good space for them? Of course. I, I actually talk to a lot of students that face tough anti-Semitism, either just as a support system or if they're interested in filing a legal claim, which is a very big decision that mm-hmm. should not be taken lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does happen. And I do consult with students and I can point you in the right directions to get the right resources. Even mm-hmm. if you want to have like an event, you're like, hey, we're facing anti-Semitism. I don't want to sue my school, but I want to have an event about Zionism. I want to have a big yeah. Shabbat dinner on campus about it. I can connect you with people who can help you make it happen. So mm-hmm. definitely reach out to me. I am a resource. We'll drop my socials. Stunning. And we will I, make sure you pitch them at the end. I remember 100%. you're reminding me of, um, uh, so I was on uh, we, at UMass, we had Safi, Student Alliance for Israel. Mm-hmm. I, was a part, I was also on their board. We did an event, you know, um, the graffiti artists, artists for Israel. Yeah. Yeah. We had, we had an event at our school. It was outside in the yard, like beautiful spring weather. And we started to notice that there was like students standing kind of like on the perimeter of our event, handing out flyers. Mm-hmm. And it was SJP at UMass handing out flyers that mm-hmm. on that front look like they're t- like advertising the event. And then you open them up and it's just like fill up, filled with like anti-Semitic libel and lies about Israel. And we were just like, almost like didn't know what to do because mm-hmm. we were like, we can't necessarily tell them to go away, but, but it's like to the unsuspecting student, they see this person, mm-hmm. they think this person's advertising for what's going on, but actually it's like a bait and switch. And it's just so crazy that like, students will do that. Like yeah. just mind your business. Like if you don't like our stuff, you don't have to like it. You can do your events we'll do ours. But it's like, sure. I don't think you ever really see Israel groups on campus protesting like a pro-Palestine event. Yeah. People just like, let it happen, but we're not going right. to get involved the way that they try to get involved in our things. Yeah. And this is actually something I speak to a lot with, with school administrators, because they always bring up the freedom of speech argument. They're like, well, it's freedom of speech. And I say, yes, entirely true. But there is a double standard because I have never heard of a Jewish student burning a Palestinian flag on campus. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. I haven't. And if that did happen, I would be appalled. And if that did happen and a girl who was part of that group said, I don't feel safe here, and they went to the school, I'm sure the school would do something about it. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's a double standard. That's a double standard. Why is it that the only flag you can burn on campus and have no repercussions is mine? Yeah. Because had they burned a Mexican flag, had they burned an LGBTQ flag, or had they burned a Palestinian flag, that would be concerning and the school would do something rightfully so. Yeah. When you yeah. burn an Israeli flag, it's just, oh, I guess, I guess it's nothing. I guess right. you're overreacting, you know? Yeah. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. So how did you go from like NYU, this whole lawsuit, all, like all that going on to now where you are now with your podcast? How did you, that, did it, was that like a pillar a bit for like you creating the podcast or how did it come into creation? 
Uh, yeah, kind of. So I, I sued NYU. I became this Jewish activist situation. I did a lot of public speaking and I decided to go to law school and I kind of did take a step away from the activism world. I, I didn't really want to be in it anymore. I said, I, I did this for a long time. It's time for sure. me to just focus on my career. And then I was approached by a friend who said she met someone perfect for me. I obviously thought it was in terms of dating. I was like, oh my gosh, she <laughs> do. Um, but no, she was like, I just met someone who's exactly like you, but she's a Coptic Christian. She's like, we're having the same conversations I have with you. So uh, we met up for lunch and we showed up wearing the same exact outfit from Zara. We were wearing the same exact, like she was wearing it in beige. I was wearing oh it in gray. Gosh. And I was like, okay. I was like, okay. And um, the more we talked, we were sitting there with our mutual friend. We talked for like a full hour and a half. And she was like, if I had a microphone here, this conversation you guys just had, that would have been a podcast. And that's kind of where we said, all right, let's do it. So we decided wow. to start a podcast and that was the impetus. She is, she is like my counterpart. Like she is like an expert in Middle Eastern policy. She, she's extremely intellectual. She is my, my counterpart in this. And it just like goes to show that, um, you can find people like yourself who are not like yourself outside of your community. And that's mm -hmm. why we should all venture out there. Yeah. That's, that's so amazing. special. Yeah. And so with your podcast, obviously you've done so much too. You've really grown a following. Has there been an episode or a person you've had on that just really blew your mind? Is there someone you would love to manifest out on here that you would want on your podcast? Um, we've had so many episodes I love. We have like random fun episodes, like one where we talk yeah. about our grandmas. We talk about superstitions. We talk about yeah. like all these random things. But I think in terms of guests, we had this girl on, her name is Bible Stories with Brianda. She uh -huh. is a born again Christian. So she is like, cool. Like she's like super hip, dresses amazing, whatever. But she just decided like, she's coming back to the ways of God, I guess. And she is Christian. So like, she's not Jewish, but um, she starts like studying all these Bible stories. And she realizes mm -hmm. that they're like very dramatic. And she tells them as if she's telling like tea about a friend. Aww. And um she Love does this on social that. media. She started her podcast too, Bible Stories with Brianda, and it like makes religion very accessible to people. And I think that that's like really cool because we we don't have something like that in the Jewish world. Um, sure. So it, it was just like really cool. Instead, to see we someone. have Jewish TikTok. Yeah, we love Jew talk. <laughs> I love Jew talk. Yeah, so fun. We love doing TikTok dances. That's me. I like doing TikTok dances. Um, but yeah, so that, that was probably like the coolest guest I had on because it was just like intellectual, but fun and just mm, very yeah. real. Um, sure. Yeah. So I, I, I liked that one. It was nice. Yeah. It's very, because I'm sure because of the theme of your podcast, you're able to have like, like on our podcast, we try to have a, like many diverse Jews. And at some point we'll also probably have on like people that aren't Jewish. But for right now, that's kind of been our focus. But I think it's interesting mm -hmm. because for your podcast, you're able to really get like very diverse people obviously not even just yeah. in the jewish community um, yeah have have you ever found a time where you and your co-hosts maybe like disagreed on some subjects and like how you kind of navigate that Do you usually just like talk them through have there ever been episodes where you it kind of really were like wow we really don't agree on this and kind of how did you guys navigate that yeah. So, um, what we do before we have an episode, we do like a quick run through of like mm -hmm. the main points that we'd want to talk about. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of surprises, but we don't have major, major surprises. I think the first thing that comes to mind is like freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. We did, um, an episode about Elon Musk and Twitter mm -hmm. and I'm a freedom of speech absolutist and she is not. Mm -hmm. So I, 
believe that even hate speech should be allowed on these platforms, which I know is like kind of antithetical compared to my entire body of work. But I have mm-hmm. a lot of reasons why I believe this, and I can totally get into it if you want to. But I believe that freedom of speech is freedom of speech, mm-hmm. and that includes bad speech as long as it's not dangerous speech. And we as a society have to learn how to deal with that. And she doesn't believe that. She believes that um, there is a line that she draws that's much closer than Mm -hmm. I would have drawn it. And Mm -hmm. we knew this going into the episode. So we just understood each other's points of view and we Mm -hmm. talked through it. And we said to the audience, we said, look, we don't agree on everything. This is an instance where we don't necessarily agree, but it's Mm -hmm. important to have these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's other times where like, there's a certain topic I want to talk about that she doesn't feel comfortable touching. Mm -hmm, And I understand that too. And then we, that just becomes a non-starter. And you adapt. Yeah. 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 I I respect that boundary. If it's like a whole topic that we just don't want to touch, that's okay. No problem. Mm -hmm. We move forward. Yeah. That makes sense. And it's very, it's very interesting because I feel like you guys, yeah, are talking about very heavy topics sometimes or like that can go into very deep discussion. And sometimes I'm sure it could be interesting when you're not always, um, on the on, not on the same page but don't see the versus marla and i where it's like don't text him again no but i want to text him again <laughs> like, that's that's where we differ <laughs> um but that's very that's yeah that, i mean that's an important that's a good way it's always good to have like like um not good communication i mean good communication but um meaningful like understanding yeah honest communication yeah. In yeah. Those and it's good that you tell the viewers too like you're normalizing also like you can mm-hmm. be jewish and have this big jewish identity but yes it's important to also be friends with people and get to know people who aren't and yeah. and have yeah. that world like i went to a public school marla went to a public school so for us that's like that's what makes sense yeah um and for some people like the first time really meeting people who might not have been in that world was through college so i really that was me yeah exactly (laughs) and i think that your podcast especially having had your experiences really makes a statement in that sense and i think that's really positive for especially the young jewish community to see so thank you i appreciate that um when did you realize you could start creating content online with all of this for the Jewish community so like your own personal Instagram as well as like just anything outside the podcast um to be honest like eight months ago like so I actually Mm -hmm. I kept all of my socials on private throughout my NYU lawsuit because I was getting like I cannot tell you the amount of hate mail I was getting I was getting like from the left and from the right and from random people in Pakistan who yeah. have never met me and will never meet me. So I was getting like everything from the left and right, people calling me a Jewess that's trying to confuse the government, like really weird stuff. Um, and also a lot of creepy messages, lots of creepy messages. I can like share some with you actually, if you want to see some of my favorite ones. <laughs> uh, a lot of creepy messages. So um, I would keep my socials on private. So I never really saw myself as an influencer. I saw myself more as like an activist through like the legal channels, not through mm-hmm. the social channels. Mm-hmm. Um And then about eight, nine months ago, I made a TikTok and I was like, whoa, this works. I was like, whoa, this really works. Like next thing I know, all of my videos are getting thousands and thousands and thousands of views. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, like, let's do this. So now my TikTok is, again, I I don't post often. I think I post maybe like once every like two or three months, I get like a content creator urge where I'm like, I'm going to sit in front of my ring light and make like four videos. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do for like... Yep. filming but like I only do like four videos and that's like enough for me for like a good month mm-hmm. um 
Sure. And yeah, so it's, I, I don't really consider myself a content creator, but I'm becoming one. And I, I could totally you are. You, you're the clean content creator. So give me, give me the tips. Give me the, I got you. Feel. I got you. Call me, FaceTime me literally whenever open door awesome. for you always. Um, that's, that's really crazy that you didn't think of yourself as that, but I respect the whole private thing too. Having had your experiences starting out that way was obviously very different from other Jewish creators who faced yeah. that after the fact. So that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's so true, Libby. Yeah, because a lot of content creators, it's like they're creating content for a while and then maybe some issue comes up. But you're kind of had the reverse of like the issue comes up and then maybe that slightly ends up driving the content in the future. Yeah. I'm March 20. I actually, obviously, Libby's like queen of TikTok. I'm not even on TikTok. I will I'll go on and off it like every like seven months. I haven't been on it in maybe like, <laughs> like eight months. But I remember maybe it was like a year or two ago, randomly seeing a clip that I think was probably from one of your early episodes of your podcast. And I was like, oh, like, this is so cool. Like, who is this girl? Like, whatever she's saying, it's it's awesome. And that was literally like just randomly like a year or two ago, something like yeah. that. Uh, yeah. So that's the thing. Like, TikTok works. Like, again, we we had been posting on Instagram for a while. And then randomly, I was like, all right, like, I'm going to take all of our Instagram content and just upload it to TikTok. And I didn't even space out the contact. I just like front loaded a whole bunch of it. And yeah. a lot of it went crazy viral. And, and like yeah. you said, like I, I had the reverse effect. I've already gotten all the hate. I've been canceled, uncanceled. There was nothing <laughs> to cancel. Back in the day, people just hated you and sent you hate messages. It made you yeah. a better creator when you <laughs> started. a better creator. Yeah. Honestly. I'm not afraid of anyone writing anything. I'm not afraid of comments. I'm not afraid of like a lot of people. This is what I realized when it comes to activism and creators. I feel like people are afraid of putting themselves out there because it's out there sure. forever. And like, no one's going to be fully happy with whatever you say. And they're so afraid Ever. of getting pushback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you might as well just say what you want to say. That's what I realized. People are going to hate me whether or not I say what exactly what they want me to say. That's why mm-hmm. I don't apologize. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you shouldn't. So obviously you just talked a lot about like the negative um, messages and negative experiences you already had on social media. Have there been any like, any positive experiences, but they were like surprising. You were like, wow, I'm surprised that person said this or sent me this email or sent this message. It was, it was like a positive surprise that you had after you started sharing more. Oh my God. So, so many, like so many, I get a lot of, a lot of moms, a lot of moms love writing to me. Yeah. We love moms. Like they'll say things like, I was so worried for my daughter to go to college. And then I saw your videos and it's like, Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. Thanks. I also get a lot of younger girls. I get a lot of girls that are either in high school or in college that, um, will say things like, you know, I was so afraid to stand up, but when you speak, I feel proud to be Jewish. Mm -hmm. And like, that's like the most I could ever possibly ask for. And then I get Mm -hmm. a lot of messages from people who are not Jewish, especially for for the podcast, Americanish, that say like, oh, I'm not Jewish and I had the same experience or wow, mm-hmm. like I'm Greek Orthodox and my religion does the same thing or like, oh my God, my mom's the same way, whatever it is. And it, mm-hmm. it's just like, it kind of like makes a very big world much smaller. And it reminds yeah. you that, again, you might be very different from people, but if you communicate your ideas, not only in like, you know, a political way, the way I do it, but like, if you talk about a funny thing that your grandma does, it's much more universal than you think. And it humanizes you, um, to other people. So, um, I've, I personally, I'm going to keep being on social media. I'm going to continue to do it. Um, regardless of the, I'm going to get you bigger on TikTok girl. You deserve it. 
We'll do a content day, you and I. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And I love, I love everything you're saying. And I think also what sets you apart from other people is you really work with both sides. Like especially having a podcast host who isn't Jewish and having real conversations like that. You're appealing to people who are Jewish and people who aren't Jewish. And Marla and I talk about this a lot. A lot of Jewish creators, when you're just Judaism, Judaism. Judaism, it's sometimes hard for people to hear you out because they already know what you're going to say or how you think. So mm-hmm. I, I feel that too sometimes with my content. I'm like, you know, I put POV Jewish mom. You're seeing the word Jewish, but some people are still watching it because it's content that they feel like, oh, I'm not being thrown information at. Wait, I know Cheryl Cohen too. I'm not even Jewish. This makes me happy. And that's my favorite type of comment to get because I'm appealing mm-hmm. different types of people and I'm showing them Judaism in a different way. Like, Oh, you're laughing. Cool. This is part of our community mm-hmm. too. Like we love to laugh. So 100%. I think it's really cool that you're doing that in the sense of education, but with the side that's also not Jewish. So thank you. I- I'd love to make like more happy content. A lot of my content, like if you scroll through my videos, mainly it's just like anti-Semitic comments I've gotten. Like mm. it, it's not, it's like, Oh, like, you know, the Nazis were right. And I've had like, my oh, fair darn. share too. I I've had my moments. Like it is not uh, rainbows every single day for <laughs> sure. My account was almost taken down just by doing a video with birthright alone. Really? So, oh God. Yeah. And that was featured in an article and everything because it got boosted to the wrong community. But, you know, story for a different day. (laughs) Point is, it happens to all of us and it sucks. Mm -hmm. But when we show a different side, super beneficial. A hundred percent. hundred percent. To kind of go back a little bit to the dating world, how have all these experiences you've had with the podcast, with NYU, with your own Judaism how has that affected your dating experiences over the past few years? Like I know mm-hmm. I'm very much like vocal on my social media about anti-Semitism and, it, and, it, and anti-Israel stuff and things like that. And sometimes when I'm like getting to know a guy, I'm like, it's almost like, oh, like I haven't even necessarily talked to them yet about like how Jewish and Zionist I am. But if they search me on like Twitter or Instagram, mm-hmm. like they'll see it. And I'm kind of like, yeah. ooh, like... I wish kind of like, how do they feel? So what have your dating experiences been like while having these platforms? That's, that's a really good question. So, um, a lot of the time, whoever I'm going out with already knows who I am. They've either seen my video or their aunt sent them an article about me, Mm -hmm. or they did a quick Google. And Mm -hmm. the first thing that comes up is a picture of me at the presidential podium, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, Usually I go into a date with people already knowing who I am and they really mm-hmm. just kind of want to know the story, which personally um, makes the first date a non-date because mm-hmm. it feels more like like this. It feels more like an interview. It feels more like one of my speaking events where I'm just telling the same story over and over. And like the first date, like, isn't really about me. It's more about the persona. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's been like the hardest thing because that's why I give everyone, not everyone, but that's why I usually go on a second date because the first date, they just fixate so much on, on that part of my life that I don't even get to talk about my likes and dislikes. I don't get to talk about what I do for fun. I don't get to talk about like stupid or what things. you're looking for, for dating. Or what I'm looking for, for dating. Exactly. <laughs> this is the whole so, purpose of a date. The whole purpose of a date. So it's been hard because I come in already with like a persona. And then a lot of the times it's like, can I live up to that? Like they think I'm this like legal warrior. Really? Yeah. I just like, when they ask like, what do you do for fun? 
My answer is absolutely nothing. I love to do nothing. I love to sit on my couch and do nothing. I'm like a lazy slob and that's okay because that's who I am. But I can't say that when they think I'm some legal lawyer suing schools situation. <laughs> what do you mean you like to do nothing? So it definitely but like- But she's honest on the in. podcast. You would yeah. say it on the podcast. I would say it on the podcast. And then a lot of the time, oh, this is a lot of fun. A lot of the time people are like, oh yeah, I listen to your podcast. Like on a first date, they try to make it like they're a fan, but really they've like watched a couple of clips mm. on like Instagram or something. So they haven't even heard an episode. And it's like, I, it's cool if you haven't heard an episode. No offense, no one in my family listens to my podcast and I'm okay with Same. that. I'm fully okay with that. I'm like, mom, don't you don't know all the trash I say on the podcast because you don't listen. You I'm don't talking listen. about you the whole time. She's like, you better not. I work in PR. I'm like, all right. Fine. Maybe I'm lying. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but she wouldn't know unless she listens. So, like, a lot of these guys. I love are you, like, mom. <laughs> I love you too. You don't know me, but <laughs> I love you. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's that. That's how it's affected my dating life. And then sometimes, and and this like happens less often. I'll be dating someone who isn't very public, and like they they get a little bit uncomfortable with my public. With, with my publicity, like just like mm-hmm. the fact I'm, I am very honest in every interview I do. I am very honest on my podcast. I talk about things that some people don't like to talk about. I talk about mental yeah. health. I talk about body image. I talk about, um, all again, a lot of ta- dating taboo. I talk about my dating journey. I talk about whether or not I'm waiting for marriage. And a lot of guys that I go out with don't necessarily like that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's all about setting intentions in the you know, one relationship that I was in right before I started the podcast, I was talking about starting the podcast. And I'm like, look, it just means I'm going to be more public. And he set a lot of hard lines. He's like, our relationship isn't talked about. My family's not talked about. This is not talked about. And I said, 100%. And then the relationship I had after, we had some understanding of what I should and shouldn't talk about. But he really supported me much more. And, and he mm. he really cared more about me putting out the kind of content I feel proud of instead yeah. of putting me in a box. That so it's again, finding a, finding a balance. Thing. Guys yeah. don't always know what to do with girls who have this image. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when it's like been pre-discovered. Like me, I was like kind of learning my own identity through my relationship, but he knew who I was online prior. Mm-hmm. But like supported me the whole the whole way. So I like think about it. What if it were what if it were like different in that sense? And there really are so many things you have to sit and think about. Yeah. But like in my position, like I don't really have to. Like I I have someone who supports me through it all. So I think that's that's so valid too. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like I, I got very lucky that I had I had two really great relationships and I had one really bad yeah. one. And again, it kind of like it shows you the contrast between what you should and shouldn't be looking for and mm. and what kind of limits are and aren't fair or valid mm. um, and how to approach these conversations. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's it's very true. We talk about a lot on this podcast about like what it's like when you're dating and you have a platform and how to navigate and things like that. And mm-hmm. if anything, I feel like with so many people use social media in like a bigger way than they used to, that it's probably a much yeah. more common conversation because I'll, even yeah. if you have like a, like a smaller, big following, it's still something you have to kind of talk about. with. Your I friends. wouldn't be comfortable with get ready with me while I get broken up with by my boyfriend. Like oh my if I was a boy no. or like get ready with no. me, while I go on this first date and then you're saying everything, but you know what, for some people it works and, and that's great. I just like to keep yep. certain things private too. So I think it's like finding finding that level. But it's, okay. it's actually funny. I had this conversation last night with the guy I'm kind of 
seeing right now. We're, there were no labels kind of seeing right now. And <laughs> literally, he's, like we were he's doing, letting you talk about him though. Yeah, kind of, kind of. He doesn't know. He doesn't know about this, but he's <laughs> okay. We were like kind of like just like scrolling on TikTok together, like on FaceTime. And yeah. he like paused it at a get ready with me. And he's like, if you ever do this, like it's over. And I was like, yeah, yeah. he's like, I mean, not actually, but yeah. And I was That's like, so funny. Okay. <laughs> so I know now. I Those know. are different. Those are different level. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. So you have many talents. This has been a beautiful conversation. Where can we potentially see you in 10 years? What's the dream? Ooh, 10 years. Um, I'll tell you, I actually have a 40 year plan if you want to get into it, but, um, no. So pretty much where I see myself is I want to be, (laughs) thank you. I'm going to be a really dope lawyer. I'm going to hopefully start outside of the Jewish world, hopefully prosecution. And then in a couple of years, I'll make my way back to the Jewish world and I'll become the new Alan Dershowitz. We need a new defender of Jewish rights and that will hopefully be me. So, and hopefully I'll have two kids and I'll be living in a suburb close to New York. (laughs) The dream. The Jewish dream. dream. Do it all. All right. So now we're going to play a quick game with you. Um, it's called Mensch or Schmuck Boy. Love Pretty that. self-explanatory, I would say. And uh, this is one of those the games, like a lot of our games, like there's no nuance. So you just kind of have to just like go with, you're like, we've done this before. And people will be like, well, what about this? What about this? I'm like, no, 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 it's not the game. You just go based on the one liner and that's all you have to decide on. Okay. Um, okay, let's do it. Okay. First one is he opens the door for you but makes a comment about how good you look from behind. Ah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to say mensch just because I like a compliment. <laughs> Is that, that allowed? Is so unexpected. That's allowed. You, yeah. It's, it's your, it's your opinion. <laughs> hey, look, it might be a schmucky compliment. But it's a compliment. But she'll take it. She'll take it. Okay. Orders for you at the restaurant. No. So that I go schmuck. And I'll tell you why. No, I'm with you. I'll tell you why. It happened to me at a restaurant where I wanted to get a salad because I was going to go to a Super Bowl party that he was invited to after. And he goes, but you'll love the raviolis. And I said, I'm sure I'll love them, but I want the salad. And he goes, I'm sure you'll love the raviolis. And I said, again, I'm sure I'd love them, but I just want the salad. We just came. He like literally like goes like this with his hand, like shut up kind of thing and goes, she'll have the raviolis. And I was like, what is going on? And since then I've had an aversion. Do not order for me. If we discuss it before the waitress comes and like, we know what we're getting, you go for it. You order, but don't Mm -hmm. order for me. (laughs) You go for it. You order. I love that. No, I would be so mad that happened to me. That's an ick. That's an ick. I mean, for me, I love when, when my boyfriend just orders for us because we discuss we're eating and it's just so much work to like I, I well, just, he's your boyfriend that makes sense if you're on i a guess date, i guess i never had anybody order for me before but like now i'm like i i just like i'm so indecisive when i order so mm-hmm. i need it's i like need that guys. Song. <laughs> you know she's indecisive she can't me. decide <laughs> yeah no literally though with food i'm the worst i'm like no what do you want for dinner <laughs> <laughs> on the opposite i don't know if you can tell but when i when i have my mind set on something i just like Ooh. as you should <laughs> okay they call you a pet name like babe or sweetie on the first date no schmuck i'm with you on that i think it's the biggest turnoff in the world i'm like you even don't pass the first date even past yeah, no. the first date it's like just like i have a name like i think like, I something think cute that works but yeah. like for me, it's more like, how many girls have you called babe at this point? Like, yeah. you don't even yeah. know me. You don't even yeah. know why I'm a babe yet. Like, 
I don't, yeah, I'm like red flag in my opinion. Yeah. I don't even think I would want it. Like not even like a 10th date. No, like until we're like serious, like if we're Mm. we're exclusive. Not even. I I don't think in my whole relationship I've said that once. (laughs) So the first, like the first serious relationship I had, he called me babe once and I was like, babe. And he was like, babe. And I was like, okay, babe. And then we started doing it ironically to each other. And then it got to the point that like, I really enjoyed it. And it was really nice. So I got it at that. It has its moments. It has its its moments. I'll give you that. Okay. And then asking a lot of questions about your culture on the first date. Oh, so I guess he's not Syrian. Um, mm, I'm going to go with Mensch because I appreciate curiosity and I am an advocate for the Syrian, Lebanese, Mexican, Jewish community. And I love answering questions about that. So. Amazing. Beautiful. And then just actually really quick, since you said, I'm going to guess he's not Syrian. Is that something that would be important to you in, in marriage? Like, is that something that you're holding on to? Um, so you think, but actually none of my boyfriends have been Syrian. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that as long as your values are compatible, it's a lot easier to find someone from your own community with compatible values, but right. it's not dispositive. So, uh, no, it's not no. the only thing. Yeah. No, That's I love that. outlook. Every episode we ask this, what, um, in your definition is a schmuck boy. What is a schmuck boy? Huh? That's a great question. Can I just like show a picture of my ex-boyfriend? Like, can we do that? No, just kidding. Imagine, imagine it's the podcast that you just hear us go, he's wearing plaid. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Now, um, a schmuck boy to me is someone who disregards your feelings not just yours but anyone else around them so mm-hmm. if he's not thinking about others he's probably a schmuck boy spirit hands that's a great one <laughs> yeah okay. that very, is a good very, definition very true Stein. and again disclosure i've had two wonderful wonderful relationships <laughs> you know who you are i have nothing <laughs> negative to say really this episode great. was sponsored by adela's two good ex-boyfriends <laughs> and where can people find you where can people find me? You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and of course, LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm the same on everything. Adela Kohab. Remember, I'm from Mexico, so Kohab is spelled with a J. So how do you spell my name? A-D-E-L-A-C-O-J-A-B. And you can find me everywhere. Check me out. And where can oh, people find the podcast? That's what, was, that's what I was going to say next. You can find my podcast. It's called Americanish Show. And you can find it also on, you know, TikTok and Instagram for reels. And if you want to actually listen to the podcast, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, including Amazon, Google, every platform, we're on it. Amazing. Well, this has been a really awesome interview. I feel like you really had so many things to share that we have not touched upon before. On on Aver episode. This episode is different, different. Yeah. Different, yeah. different. I'm really excited and we really appreciate you. This was great. Thanks for listening. Schmuck Boys out. Cause you're just a schmuck boy. You're just a schmuck boy. That's not enough, boy. Don't need another another schmuck boy. Cause you're just a schmuck boy. You're just Boy